Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, this is Note to Self, and I'm your host, Peyton Sarton. From Q&As and breakup tips to simply navigating every stage of life, Note to Self is a space to get messy, explore new perspectives, and ultimately empower yourself and others. Grab some wine or a mocktail, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right. Hi, guys. Welcome back to Note to Self. We're doing a solo episode today, and I'm actually pre-recording this because traveling and stuff like that is happening in the next couple of weeks. So I'm not going to start with like a life update or my content corner today because it's going to be it's not new, basically. or It's not like up to date. So we're just going to get right into today's Ask P episode. This is the first Ask P episode of the year, and I'm really excited because you guys sent in some really great questions. I feel like I got a good mix of stuff. As always, I want to give the disclaimer that this is just for fun. So like, you know your life best. I don't know your situation. Don't take what I say too seriously. I'm going to do my best with like the details provided. But again, I don't know your life and who am I to judge or to tell you what to do with it. You know what I mean? That's kind of like the cornerstone of note to self is being able to check in with yourself and be confident with your own decisions and listen to your own gut or intuition instead of seeking answers in everybody else. But I can let you know what I would do in these situations. You know what I mean? So I love these episodes. I think they're really fun. But again, don't be offended if I tell you something you don't want to hear. Because again, I don't know your situation. And again, who am I to judge? Also, by the way, you guys can submit to Ask P via the show notes. Everything will be in there for you, as well as, you know, all of my socials and things like that, any resources. You can submit to Ask P there, though. So I got a DM recently, which is where I sourced this first question. She was like, I wasn't sure where I could, you know, submit the question for the Ask P episode. Again, that will be in the show notes. It's literally, I think it's like the first one that you can submit to is Ask P. And it's a form. It's anonymous. I will never say your name unless you tell me your name and want me to say it. So that's just like the gist of that. You guys can find that there if you want to submit. So the first question, she says, first of all, I absolutely love your content and who you are as a person. I really appreciate that. Thank you. I relate so much to the things you say. Here's my ask P question. I have a boyfriend of six months and it's his first time seriously dating somebody. He's very judgy of people in general, but was and is super sweet to me. However, He started telling me remarks about my physical appearance that he will say are jokes or to not take seriously, but they seriously hurt. For example, he told me that my nose is too big. (laughs) I have a broken nose and I'm waiting for my surgery to happen. My ass could be tighter. I got a little tummy, etc. Should I end the relationship because of this as sometimes it makes me cry? 
I have a lot of insecurities and his remarks don't help to heal them at all. Okay. I want to acknowledge that everyone has their issues. Every relationship is going to have things that you have to decide, can I deal with this or not? Personally, I would never deal with this. I don't get into relationships with people who have like bad intentions. And as much as he's like, well, by the way, don't take this the wrong way, but your ass could be tighter. Like that's mean. That's going past the level of like, I'm trying to help you because I know you enjoy working out. And like, I'm just trying to make you aware of something that's happening. That's like actually mean. And I feel like in my relationships, there's so many things that can happen with like communication error or things that can be taken the wrong way if you're not healed and you, you are really defensive, et cetera. This is a different level of being offensive. This is not something I would ever talk my way around and be like, well, you know, it's his first time dating somebody or he doesn't really mean it. This is mean behavior. And obviously he is not healed as a person. And this is something I would absolutely never tolerate. And I never have. If a man tells me that (laughs) anything slightly judgmental about myself, especially within the first six months, I'm like, no, fuck this. Like, I, I don't want to carry that energy. Imagine what's going to happen or what's going to come out of his mouth when you get into like an actual serious argument or a debate about something or something where he feels really defensive because obviously he he has his own issues. And when you when you get into like a situation where you have conflict with someone like that who is already being on purpose mean to you, literally that's what he's doing, it's just going to get worse. And you don't want that energy... You don't want it down the line. You don't want it right now. And if it's making you cry, (laughs) get the fuck out of there. It's that is not worth it. That is he needs to go to therapy or something. Obviously, much easier said than done when you have attachment to somebody and you're a very understanding person. But that's just not something I would personally deal with. And that would be my advice is to definitely leave that relationship. That was definitely an easy one that I wanted to include because I haven't had anyone else ask me something like that before. Yeah, I would definitely I would get get out of there for sure. Cause it will only get worse as you get closer to somebody and you allow them to say things like that to you just based on personal experience. (laughs) Okay. Question number two, for the past year, 2022, I have grown so much in every aspect. I am 23 years old and my first year of teaching and starting school for my master's credential program at LMU. The problem I'm having is I feel like my creative side has definitely been put into a box that has only come out for school purposes writing short stories, poems, and other school projects. I have really been wanting to bring out the creative side I feel like I do have through making YouTube videos, reels, blogging, and other forms of media, but find it so hard to start, especially since many others are doing the same. I started making videos in the summer, but disliked them. I have been wanting to do this for so long. I feel like I keep waiting for that perfect timing, but I know I need to push myself out of my comfort zone. The main thing that stops me is the fear of what others would say especially family and old high school friends, and definitely the rejection. My question is, how and where do you start? Do you recommend baby steps or just all in? Thank you so much. Love all your platforms and the message you provide. So I feel like this is a very standard question when it comes to starting to make content on social media. I've talked about my story before. I started back in 2016, basically, and I started writing on a blog. I was in a small college town in Texas, and I got absolutely (laughs) shit on, okay? And at some point, I just had to decide, like, is my desire to do this more than my fear or or stronger than my fear 
of judgment from others. And for me, I just felt a, like a gut instinct that I, this is something I really wanted to do. At the time, I was in school for my degrees in political science and I minored in sociology. So I was really adamant about being a lawyer my entire life. And when I found this opportunity, I remember I talked to my mom on the phone about this when I was a senior. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to do, at the time I was writing on a blog, I want to do this full time. And I was like, crying to her on the phone because I was like, I feel like I found my calling, which is just like authentically sharing my life. It made me feel really good. But even the desire without all that desire, it didn't make it easier sometimes to deal with the judgment from people. And again, this was a time when people weren't really doing this very much. Like it wasn't a super oversaturated market. No one where I was, was doing it, which made me weirder. And I got a lot of shit for it, especially in the beginning, because what happens is like when you start getting validation from others and like, let's say you start gaining a following, it's the whole like, I don't know, the crowd just follows the crowd. So then other people start taking you seriously. But in the beginning, when you're just starting out and you're trying to make content and stuff like that, people are going to talk shit about you. It happened then. It's going to happen now. Whenever you're trying at something, people are going to make fun of you for it. So I think for me... You just have to decide that your desire to do it is going to be stronger than your fear. What if you could finally have a bra that makes your boobs look and feel amazing and is actually super comfortable to wear all day? Third Love's 24-7 classic t-shirt bra will make your boobs look great, period. It's also super supportive and comfortable and won't show through your clothes. It's made millions of women and their boobs very happy. It's designed for your body and even comes in half cup sizes so you always get a perfect fit. I'm kind of infamous for never wanting to wear a bra because I find most of them incredibly uncomfortable. So it can be difficult for me to find the exact right fit. Many of them pinch and poke and more often than not, they're ugly. But when I put on my favorite third love bra, the 24-7 t-shirt bra, the girls look amazing and I feel extra comfortable. A well-fitting, comfy bra should be a no-brainer. The 24-7 Classic T-Shirt Bra is my everyday go-to bra. It forms to your body so your boobs always look their best, and the no-slip straps stay in place all day. It comes in over 60 sizes and half-cup sizes for your perfect fit, and it's invisible under clothes, so it works with every outfit. Third Love makes it easy to find a bra that actually fits with their fitting room quiz. The fitting room quiz is like a personal shopper, but better. It focuses on size, brush shape, fit issues, and your style to find bras that are perfect for you. They also have a perfect fit promise. Third Love's team of expert fit stylists is available to answer all of your questions. Never get stuck with a bad bra again. Return and exchanges are free for 60 days. Third Love is the largest donor of undergarments in the U.S. Partnering with organizations across the United States, Third Love has donated over $50 million worth of bras to help people in need. So ditch your bad bras. Get a better one that makes you look and feel great. Upgrade your bra today and get 20% off your first order at thirdlove.com slash note to self. That's 20% off your first order today at thirdlove.com slash note to self. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. 
Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hey guys, I'm Kinsey from the I Love You So Much podcast. On my show, we talk about everything, lifestyle, business, finance, beauty, you name it. My favorite part about the show is the amazing guests that we bring on. We have everyone ranging from like business experts to influencers, CEOs, creative masterminds. It's so much fun. If you guys want to find me on Instagram, it's just at Kinsey Elizabeth. I release new episodes every Thursday, so hope to see you there. At first, when you take those first steps, it's going to feel really, really scary. And sometimes still, like I'll put out a podcast episode or something where I share a lot because, of course, I have episodes on my current antidepressant situation. I have episodes on how to have sex and a sex drive on antidepressants. I have a an episode about my story of getting an abortion. Like I put out some really risky stuff, but at the end of the day, that's what I'm passionate about is talking about those things in my life to normalize it for other people. And I, I kind of have grown to enjoy that risk. I've kind of grown to enjoy the, the feeling of like feeling like you just jumped off of a cliff and you're really hoping that it resonates and you're going to get hate. You're going to get judgment, but it's kind of like that first, it's almost like a barrier to entry. If you're going to do this for your job, because it is such a great job, you have to be okay with the fact that you're putting yourself out there. And when you do things like that and make yourself vulnerable and try at something, it's going to give people room to critique, whether it's people you know or people you don't know, because that's a whole nother thing as well. And it's embarrassing. It's really embarrassing. And it's cringy. So you have to just kind of, I think, settle into that feeling because it's not going to go away. And there's times where it hasn't gone away for me. And I've been doing this for now six or seven years now, and I still get embarrassed. <laughs> so it definitely doesn't go away. But again, if you have like the the desire to do this, or you feel like it's like a calling of yours or something that's going to make you really happy, you owe it to yourself to kind of stare that fear in the face and do it. I will say, so I read that you said, I started making videos in the summer, but disliked them. You're going to dislike your first content. There is some, there is nothing, <laughs> there is nothing like, especially when you're doing YouTube, watching, especially when you're editing your own YouTube videos, which is how I, I started and did for years. Editing yourself and watching yourself is somehow so embarrassing. Like you are yourself and it's embarrassing to record. It's embarrassing to edit. Everything in the beginning is going to be embarrassing, like I said, to everyone else, but also to you. And recording yourself messing up and starting over, it's hard to watch. And you are going to be your own worst critic in this situation. You're going to judge it, but you have to put yourself out there. Even if you dislike you know, quote, dislike what you're doing. You need to notice one, do I dislike this because this is something I've never done before? Or are you comparing it to other, you know, people doing it in the same space? Like it's not as good as so-and-so or not as good as this person. You need to start somewhere, even if you dislike it. And of course you do want to feel proud of the stuff you're putting out, but practice is really important. And you can't just shut yourself down immediately because you're critiquing everything you've ever done and you don't like the way your face looks in this and you don't like the way your hair looks in this and you don't like the way you said this word. Like you got to get over it because you're not going to be perfect. I've learned, especially with long form content like podcasts, like I don't, for the YouTube videos that go up of these episodes, I could nitpick all day. I could be like, my hair looks shitty or I hate that my eye bags are happening right like this or I don't look my best or I don't like this angle of myself. But at the end of the day, I have to just put it out. Like, Like you can't, 
you won't get anything done if you want it to be absolutely perfect. And at the end of the day, no one notices those things anyways. Only you do. <laughs> and then my question is, how and where do you start? Do you recommend baby steps or just all in? So this is going to depend on your, like how much time you have and how you want to navigate this. So at first I would say, you've probably done this, but like gather inspiration, gather creators that you like, content that you like, and ideas maybe that are original ideas of your own and ideas like different content pillars. For me, I just did this with TikTok. I was like, okay, what do I want to post on TikTok that's going to be different from Instagram, different from podcasts, different from YouTube. And I came up with different pillars that I know work on TikTok. So like get ready with me, get dressed with me. Obviously, these are all ways to share makeup and clothing, but also a good way to share your personality and kind of infuse it with that. Those kind of TikToks work for a reason. I know a lot of people do them, but those you do need to have certain pillars like that. And then you would kind of step in with some more original content. For me, it was when I first started Note to Self, the actual Note to Self TikTok, which is no longer a thing because I know I just put it on my personal TikTok. I didn't have video of myself recording TikTok. So I just got creative and I put together like aesthetic clips of my life with the audio behind it and like the text on the screen. And that contributed so much to Note to Self growing because not a lot of people were doing that at the time, which it seems like such an obvious thing, but that was more of like my original content for growth. So you went and gather inspo and then also like make your own list of content that you like. So just so you know, like you kind of have a plan of where you're going, right? And then because you're, you know, working, you're in school, I think batching content is a good idea. So recording, you know, whatever your pillars are, pre-recording stuff and posting them throughout the week is great. It's a good way to like be able to do everything you're doing right now while also doing this on the side. I will say, I think it's really good to start all of this stuff as a side hustle. When I was in college, it was kind of like my side hustle that became my main thing. But when you're starting and experimenting, especially like you just put in the hours and the work on the side of the work you're already doing, which can be difficult. I mean, you you sacrifice time with your friends and relaxation time, but I definitely recommend doing it as a side hustle. And then also, I think you need to realize that there's no perfect time. You just have to kind of start and get your hands messy and figure things out as you go. Because when you start again, you're not going to, it's not going to be content you look back on and you're like, wow, that was amazing. <laughs> it's going to be bad. Because I mean, let me tell you. My first blog posts, my first Instagram posts, everything, they were bad. My first podcast episodes, there's some that I have that I'm, it's not that I'm not proud of them because they've gotten me to this place and I was trying and I was putting myself out there, but like, I'm not going to like want people to go back to those episodes and listen all the time. You're going to be disappointed in some of the, the stuff you put out, especially if you're putting out a lot of content, but that's normal and you need to have grace with yourself. And it's just look at it as practice and experimentation. And again, to round that out, people are going to talk shit about you. It's just going to happen. You're not going to be able to avoid that. You have to just put your blinders on and do what's right for you. And it's a really good practice because I think for me over the course of years, and especially there in the beginning, it really made me feel both scared, but also free because I feel like I was conquering fear. But then again, like I said, I got addicted to like the, the feeling of like having that nervousness that someone was going to judge me for something that I said, or someone was going to get mad, especially with some of the more sensitive topics I talk about. But it's so freeing in the face of that to like authentically share your life because you do, I've gotten so much positive feedback that it far exceeds the negative. And this job has done so much for my life and I'm so grateful for it. And I would have never had these experiences had I not gotten over that initial fear. 
And another thing you said, and this is a long answer, but another thing you said is you find it hard, especially since many others are doing the same thing. I do agree. It can be, you know, it is pretty oversaturated, but I also do truly believe in this space and social media. There's so many different outlets that there is room for everybody. And you kind of just have to learn to authentically show up as yourself, which again is going to be difficult from the very beginning because especially if you're young and you don't know who you are. Like when I first started, I didn't, I still am working. I'm 29 now. So like, I'm definitely, I have a better, I have a better grasp on who I am so I can more authentically share. And it was harder for me back then because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. But still, sometimes I don't. But you have to practice authentically putting yourself out there. And at first, you know, you're going to be, it's going to be difficult, but that will, that will help you find an audience that you connect with. If you're building genuinely, it's like making a French, a new friend or something like that. Like if you're putting on a face for a friend, a new like friend date, let's say, and that person starts to like the face you're putting on. And then it comes out that you're totally a different person. And you've, you've had this friend that like y'all, you guys both thought you were two different people, but when the truth comes out, it turns out you don't really like each other. Similar to like this happens in relationships as well. You have to show up as yourself in order to gather a following of people who are like-minded or really respect you, which again can be difficult. But I truly feel like I have been able to show up as my most authentic self through the practice of sharing my life over and over and over again. And it's taught me a lot about myself in the process as well. And again, I don't think I'd be as self-aware. I don't think I would be as free or as confident without this whole experience happening and being scared to share and then sharing anyways. You know what I mean? And at the end of the day, the cream always rises. A lot of people do want to do this job. Again, there are, there's room for everybody, but if you're good at it, if you have a skill, if you're consistent and you're dedicated and you really enjoy it, which are a lot of things to come together and you work hard for, I mean, I've been doing this for years. I truly believe it ends up working out in the end, but it's a lot more difficult. It's a very emotional for me. It's been an emotional roller coaster and it's been a lot of work constantly every single day. And I think people don't really realize because you kind of see like the finished end result and you don't see a lot of the back end. So it's a lot of work, but to, in order to even figure out if you like it, you've got to start, you got to start somewhere. You know what I mean? Again, long winded answer, but that's something I'm really passionate about. <laughs> so there's my answer for you. You got to start, just deal with the hate and the drama or the judgment, how you can and push through it because it feels so good on the other side. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. 
The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at Skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. All right, question number three. Hi, Peyton. Note to self is my go-to for runs, and I love your mentality so much. Thank you so much. I can't listen to podcasts on runs. I, I find, I don't know, I just get distracted. Anyway, I was interested on how you distinguish deep platonic connections with males versus romantic ones. A spark, deep mutual understanding, or maybe something else. Is It's a distinction I have trouble making. Thanks so much. Elle from Dallas. Okay, so... I've talked about a relationship I've been in before when I was younger with a guy that I honestly, he's the greatest guy ever. Like everyone loves him. He's super, super kind, a really good person. And the relationship ended because I feel like we both, myself included, made the mistake of mistaking (laughs) a platonic friendship for something romantic. And I do think friendship is a core part of being in a romantic relationship. Like I feel like you've got to respect the person. You've got to be friends with them and spend time with them day to day. And then there also needs to be that kind of like sexual chemistry as well, obviously. So for me, I, I compartmentalize everything and I feel like I can tell pretty quickly if I'm sexually attracted to somebody. So that is literally what I use to distinguish platonic relationships from non-platonic ones. I was actually talking to one of my friends the other day about how to deal with guy friends because like we love our guy friends, but there's also like those guy friends that you're like, he would definitely bang me if I was like to be like drunk and like agree to it. So we're like, is that really my guy friend? Like probably not. Like he wants something else from me. We've been like, I've been discussing this whole like platonic friend thing for the last little bit. And for me with my really amazing platonic guy friends, I have never been physically attracted to them. There is like such a deep understanding that that's never happening. And like, should we find ourselves in the same bed and drunk or something like that? Like that is never fucking happening. And I have a deep trust in them that they also, one, don't think that's happening either. And you have to be, you know, careful around those kind of guys sometimes when you don't trust them like that. But it's difficult to make platonic guy friends in general. But I think the key thing is your wantingness to have sex with them, (laughs) to be just like blatant or very blunt about it, I guess. Because for me, especially as a person who thinks sex is an incredibly important part of a relationship, I need to have that sexual chemistry. And you know that yourself, like your body knows it when you're physically attracted to somebody. So obviously I think the, the distinction there is the sexual chemistry and your wantingness to pursue that with somebody. Obviously, When you find that in a guy friend that you deeply love as a friend as well, like killing it, absolutely killing it. And if you respect him on top of that and you you respect his lifestyle and he's a good person, I mean, you found you found a keeper right there. That's rare. (laughs) I found like one in my life. (laughs) But yeah, I think the sexual chemistry on on your end is definitely the key for that. All right. Question number four. Hi, Peyton. First of all, I want to say you're one of my favorite influencers. You actually influence me a lot, like you posted about ClassPass one time, and now I'm obsessed. 
You're the big sister I always wanted but never had. Thank you so much. I love my big sister role in my actual family and then also like on this podcast. I have had a friend I've been friends with for about seven to nine years. We don't hang out a lot, but we talk on the phone every once in a while for hours. This past year, I invited my friend to my birthday party and she said she couldn't make it. And I made several efforts to make plans and talk. But after she was always busy, I noticed I'm usually the one to initiate the conversation. So I stopped reaching out to her. I haven't seen her in person since 2021. Fast forward a month ago, she reaches out to me to get lunch, but our schedules don't align and she tells me she's pregnant and invites me to her baby shower. The thing is that her baby shower is the weekend of my birthday and I'm in the middle of planning it. I was really shocked by this. She's my first friend to have a baby and I'm 22, so I feel quite young to take on the auntie role. Should I cancel or change my plans for my birthday to attend her baby shower or just send her a gift from her baby registry and send my regrets? Also, how to navigate friendships where you are when you're in two different places in life. So I have friends like this for sure, like from high school. I actually have two friends that I made in middle school and the beer friends, like best friends through high school. We did everything together. Um, and we have kind of like waxed and waned in how much we've seen each other because like your lives just go in different directions. My college friends similar as well. And I think you were smart to kind of just like match her energy because it can be really exhausting when like you are putting a friendship first and the other person is like not even putting it like second or third or fourth. <laughs> like they have other things going on, which is totally fine. And if they've got other things going on in their life, it doesn't make them a bad person. It's just how life works. And, and that's a really hard part of growing up. It's been really difficult for me because I really value my friendships. And when I have like a deep friendship, it's hard for me to kind of let go of that because it happens so rarely, I feel like, and I care so deeply for this person. And I'm a quality time person. So obviously I want to talk to them and see them. And that makes me feel good. So this is such a standard part of, of growing up. So your question of canceling or changing your plans. So first you have to figure out like if you're in the middle of planning it, I personally would, you know, I wouldn't go around her baby shower to plan your birthday. I would just say, like, figure out your actual plans that you're doing to see first if you can't even make it, you know. But second, I personally, again, you don't have to take my advice, but I personally probably wouldn't put off my birthday for the situation. I would just send them a really thoughtful and nice gift and maybe get together with her later. But if I've been put on the back burner so much and I'm not a priority, I wouldn't make a ton of time for someone like that after, you know, a number of, of attempts to get together with this person on a one-on-one -on -one thing and to have some more quality time. I feel like it's not because of like my ego of being upset or anything. Cause I, again, I don't really get, I understand people have their own lives, but if it's a special weekend for you that you're really excited for, I feel like you owe it to yourself to put yourself first, even though this is a big moment in, your li in her life. I understand that that can feel weird, but for a baby shower, I don't know. I feel like I put myself first in this situation. Y'all know I'm into the whole villain era mindset. Like if someone, that's not to say if someone has put me first and prioritized me, like my best friend from college who I met, Laurel, who I need to have on this podcast, by the way, her and I have gone like time without talking to each other sometimes, but like we usually show up for each other in like moments of life that we need. I lived in LA for, you know, forever and she was going through like her birthdays and then she did all of her wedding stuff. And I was at every single thing. I flew to Houston for every 
possible thing that I could for her because she also puts me first. She's the person that sits on the phone with me when I have boy problems. And she's done that since I was 18 years old and it's been 11 years now. So there are some people that I will absolutely go out of my way for and show up for, but it's because while we're not always matching energies, because again, people's lives can be different. We overall, over the course of the years we've been friends, have. And I feel like it's important to show up for them. But again, if you don't feel that in your gut, like this person isn't showing up for you, you feel like you've been on the back burner for a long time and you feel like you're just not really feeling appreciated in general, which is something you have to check in with yourself on, I wouldn't put this person first, personally. All right, question five. We have two more. I I got six questions for this. All right, selected six questions. Okay. Hi, Peyton. I'm in college right now. And so basically, we're getting right into it. So basically last year, my ex and I were on a break and this guy came back to my apartment, but then I freaked out, not wanting to hurt my ex and found an excuse to get him out. After that, I realized I actually really liked this guy. I'm completely done with my ex now. And we've always flirted and messed with each other in person, but I feel like I hurt his ego too much for the first time for him to ever make another move on me. How can I progress this or show I'm actually interested in him without coming off desperate? Or just make a move in general. You're the best. Okay, so y'all know I'm really into, personally in my life, I like the guy to make the first move. And I don't think a situation like this, especially if he knows about your ex, like, and knows that that was like kind of a fresh wound, I don't think a situation like this would hurt a man's ego too much for him to just be like, okay, that's done and dusted. I'm not doing that again. If he likes you. You know what I mean? I feel like men can be really intense on the chase if they're interested. I do understand, though, wanting to put a little bit of that energy out that you are available now. So I think it's whatever you're comfortable with, really. I don't think I'd be the person to be like, hey, let's hang out or like, let's go get a drink because I don't I don't like to initiate in that sense. I kind of like to just live my life and then let things come to me when it comes to romantic stuff. Obviously, once I get into a relationship or like the ball's rolling there, it's a different dynamic. But I personally would just put a little more effort into like communicating with this person on a daily basis to show interest through, you know, whatever kind of communication you guys have through texting or maybe answering an Instagram story if you post that, which is kind of rare for guys anyways, I guess. Whatever you're doing, I would show a little interest in just like basic communication. So he it kind of opens up those lines lines of communication for him. And then in person, you can just be a little be a little flirtier, you know what I mean? Like touch his arm, <laughs> do all the things. But I personally again, it's just not my like style to make the first real move, but you can kind of like set up the the energy for him to come to you in a sense. Again, personal preference, if you're a more of like a go-getter, which some guys really like, you could definitely be more blatant about it. But I personally, it's just like not who I am. And it's not what I've learned works best for me in like the beginning stages of relationships. Okay, so I had to include question six because it it's a includes like a personal aspect and it just made me excited. So here we go. This is probably a lot different from your normal questions, but I literally love you. I feel like we're very similar. I'm a Capricorn too. I'm from Fort Worth and I go to TVS. How did you deal with feeling trapped in such a small-minded community? I am so ready to get out. Also, what were your favorite memories, drama, crazy nights, favorite teachers from your time at TVS? Also, do you think growing up in Fort Worth and going to TVS has impacted you and your career? Okay, so TVS is the 
K through 12 school that I attended when I lived in Fort Worth. It's called Trinity Valley School. And whew, it is a it is a small private school. I think through K through 12, when I first started going there, had about a thousand kids. And it's all on one campus. To give you a kind of visualization of this, I actually just talked about this last week. I grew up in the gated community directly across the street from this school. And in the mornings, I would go up to the country club, get my coffee and like in high school and then drive out of the gate of the neighborhood directly across the street into the gate of the school. And we had like some pretty serious security at school as well. And it's such a small (laughs) community in that sense. Fort Worth is a big city too, but like within that community of, there's a couple different private schools and a couple different country clubs. It's a small community where everyone is the exact same. And if you step out of being the same from everyone, it's like, it's a huge no-no. You don't want too many eyes on you. You don't want to cause too much of a stir. You don't want to draw too much attention to yourself. In that sense, I will say before that, for those of you who don't know, I was actually born on an Air Force base, as was my little sister. I moved from the first eight years of my life. We move every two years and we were mostly on the coast of Florida at that point. And then when I was eight, we moved to Houston, Texas, and we lived there for three and a half years, almost four. All of that time was spent in different socioeconomic levels. Of course, living on an Air Force base, that's is government housing. My parents were really young when they had me. So that was our best option. And then growing up as they got, you know, older and my dad got more established as a pilot and everything, like he, you know, got a little more money and we got to move to nicer places. And it's just kind of, it kind of grew from there. When we moved to Houston, that the time was the nicest place I'd ever lived in my life. We lived in the suburbs of Houston in like a big master plan community. And I always went to public schools, pretty good public schools, but public schools. So when I moved to Fort Worth at 12 or 13, I was hit with this, you know, it was a very different life. And I think because I went to some bigger public schools and lived in different places, I had a little more perspective at that point. And like, for, for example, my little brother is 12 years younger than me. He has never gone to a public school. He's never known a life other than going from our neighborhood across the street, uh, through that gate and through the gate of the school. He's been there K through 12. He's, he's never experienced. He has, he hasn't really experienced people that are different from him. So for me, dealing with the small minded community, it was really, really difficult, especially having been really good friends with and growing up with and having like the normal sea of living in the panhandle of Florida, for example, and going to public schools there. And then living in the outskirts of Houston and going to public schools there. It was, those two were different from each other. And then they were both really like leagues different from this new community I found myself in. And I don't really do well with being stunted, (laughs) but I did find myself really hiding myself in that sense because I didn't want to be different. I kind of just wanted to blend in. This happens whether or not you're in the situation when you're this age anyway, like middle school, like you just want to be like all your friends, or at least that's what that's what I feel like you want to be. You don't want to be weird or like the person that's singled out. So all of that said, yes, the small-minded community was not my thing. It did stunt me a little bit, I would say. And I feel like it made me really nervous to share myself and my truth and like live it because I just wanted to fit in and I didn't want to be weird. And I wanted to be like everybody else, especially at like a small private school where you're all wearing the same exact clothes and you do the same exact thing. I felt when the time came to leave, 
I was really excited to run from that community. And of course, I went to college at a big state school. And even then I felt it was like a, it wasn't a similar group, but it was in a sense. And I also felt the need to run from there. I literally left A&M, Texas A&M is where I went to school at 22 and went to LA and truly never looked back. I was like, I'm never, (laughs) I just want to like get to a big city and be around people who are so different than me. It's very freeing. But all of that said, TVS is a private prep school and you test to get into it and it's not cheap. And my grandparents were kind enough to give me that kind of education at the time. And I think, and I tell them all the time, as much as there are obviously downsides to being a community that is pretty homogenous, it is the one of the best things that ever happened to me. That school, and I guess for a student like myself, being around people who were incredibly resourceful, incredibly intelligent, being around people who who genuinely didn't know anything else other than success. And what I mean by that is when I was in, I've actually never talked about this on the podcast. When I was in public schools, um, normal American middle-class public schools, I had friends that, you know, they'd, their parents would be like, okay, like it's time you need to go get a job. And these are people I would keep in contact with, obviously, when I was in high school. And their first thought was like, all right, I'm going to go apply for a job at this restaurant, or I'm going to go apply for a job at the tanning salon or whatever it is, right? Because that's, that's what they know. That's in their brain. That's what's happening. And that's what's available to them right now. At a school like Trinity Valley or the schools that we kind of play in a, there's a couple of schools in Fort Worth and in Dallas, and we have a, it's a conference called the Southern Preparatory Conference. We all play each other in sports and we're, it's, they're a similar vibe through the schools. When these kids, well, let me back up. When my friends from Houston and, and Florida were getting jobs, what they knew was from their parents, especially too, is that you've got to go start where you can and work your way up every single day, trying to get higher up the ladder and do your best because it's what's available to you. And it's what you know, and it's what your parents did. It's the whole thing. When I was around these people at Trinity Valley, given they had obviously a lot more access to resources, when their parents told them to go get a job, I don't know anyone. I don't know a single person who went and applied for a job at a restaurant. I don't know a single person who went and applied for a job at a tanning salon. There were kids at the school that would, I don't even know if this was at TVS because I I think it was like a Fort Worth thing. There was a group of guys years prior to me whose parents were like, you need to go get a job this summer. And they're like, okay, sick. What can we do? We're going (laughs) to, we're going to start a landscaping company. Their first thought because of the people that they're around constantly, this is not even the education part yet. It's just the people they're around their first thought was, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and start a company because this is what people do, right? Because they don't even know any different. I feel like they started this landscaping company. They got like commandeered a truck, rented like landscaping stuff and found a group of guys to go around and landscape yards. And of course you have to have the resources of having a truck, having the, the capital to rent stuff like this and pay your friends basically. But this landscaping company that these high school boys started grew. And then it became, I don't know what the exact like way it actually unfolded, but it became like, oh, we're also delivering, delivering firewood now. Oh, we're also washing windows now, adding more uh, services to get more money. And then when these guys would leave high school, they would sell the company down to the younger kids 
and the younger kids would buy the company <laughs> and this would happen. And you're getting real life experience because you're, you're owning a company as a kid, but it seems normal to them. And that's one thing I noticed living in a different place, not even talking about the education yet that you're paying for is these people didn't have the same mentality because of the resources and because of what they saw in their lives. I don't know many people who had parents who worked for other people at this point, which I noticed was huge because I have been so intimately intertwined and had so many friends who it's just not the way that we thought for such a long time. So for me, I had this perspective and I was able to kind of think about it like that. But I noticed that pretty quickly on and I was like, shit, that's like, that's a huge advantage for me now to be able to open my mind to that's the way life works. So that really helped being around those people to then give me the confidence to leave college and be like, you know what? I'm actually going to write on a blog. Fuck my degree. <laughs> I'm not going to law school. This seems like something I want to do and I'm going to make it work. And it gave me this like level of confidence and it allowed me to take a mitigated risk, but a risk nonetheless. So that was huge. Just being around a group of people like that. And that was a huge advantage of my, in my life. And I can't believe I've, I got that opportunity. And I'm, I'm happy that I noticed that early on because a lot of kids that came from that place, they don't really understand that that's not normal behavior. There were a lot of other examples of things that people would do. There was a guy in my, in the grade below me at school. I forget who it was, but like he created at school a coffee subscription service for the teachers. So he would go to school every day with his French press in his locker and charge teachers monthly on a subscription-based, this was when I was in high school. I'm 29 right now. <laughs> he was before his time. He would make them coffee every morning and bring the coffee to the teachers in the mornings. And just like, that's how we made money. I'm like, this is innovative, resourceful. So people were really interesting at TVS like that and at some of the surrounding schools. Also, when you're paying that much money, you're, unless you're going to a school, it's, I went to a secular school. The, the main point of the school I went to wasn't sports. It wasn't religion. It was learning. And I think when I showed up at, in college at A&M for my freshman year, I realized how much TVS taught me to think. And I owe that a lot to the teachers that taught us. We had some really amazing teachers who had been college professors before, and they put in so much effort and cared so much about us learning, not memorizing stuff, not trying to get good test scores on stuff, actually thinking. And we did a lot of this through writing and through learning history in a very specific way. It wasn't memorizing stuff. It was understanding people and, and putting things into a really realistic, I don't know, perspective when you're learning these things. And we had the most amazing teachers. I had Doc Shelton. I had Mr. Whirl, who was my English teacher at the time. He was fucking amazing. He has since passed. It was, took a, that took a toll on me to realize that. I had... A teacher named Mr. Fleming, who's infamous within the Trinity Valley group, and he actually, this is kind of like depressing, he actually passed while I was in his class. I had him freshman, or I had him my sophomore year, first period. And these teachers would sometimes just like, they were one, so a part of your life and so amazing, but they would they would teach you in like a conversation style. And if if the the conversation went awry onto another topic, if it was interesting and they felt like you could learn from it, we would go awry on that topic. I had Mr. C for one of my history classes. And he, during that history class, we he was great with the conversation. And we actually decided that we all wanted to go to Spain together. So the next year, we just put together a trip to Spain. And like we went when I was 16 and we had the best time of our life. And Mr. C went and we brought some other teachers. I had Mrs. Dentino. She is fucking hilarious. Like the stories I have about Mrs. Dentino, I, I just like don't think that so 
I don't think that some of the things that teachers do in private school could get away. You can't get away with that in public school. Miss Santina would do this one thing where if there was a student sleeping in class, she would move her overhead over and lay on her front desk and just sleep, pretend to be asleep until the person noticed at some point, I guess, or like woke up one time. I'm sorry, Miss Santino, if you hear this, I'm outing you. But I, I think she's proud of these things. One time she, <laughs> this guy in our class was on his phone and we were on the second story of the building. She walked over, takes his phone and throws it out of the window. <laughs> it's just like, get the fuck off your phone. Just things like that. I had, I didn't actually have Mr. Scott, but I love Mr. Scott. I, I was actually at school or I went up to the campus. I don't know, within this last six months, I think. And it's been a while. I mean, it's been 11 years since I've been at school there or more. And Mr. Scott came right up to me and was like, Peyton, how is this going? How is that going? How's your sister? Like, the guy remembers everything. He's freaking amazing. This is a very niche subject, but I just feel like I was super close with my teachers and the way they taught me to look at life really, really affected me, even though it wasn't like that small-minded community. So those are some of my favorite memories, my favorite teachers. I also loved being a part of the whole football team community. That was fun. I was a cheerleader for a long time. My senior year, me and my best friend were like co-captains. So like we really felt, I don't know, we were just like a part of that whole thing. And the Friday night lights of it all was really fun as well. But I think that the way that growing up in Fort Worth in that community and the way that TVS affected my career is that it broadened my horizons and it gave me a certain level of confidence and it taught me, specifically TVS, it taught me to think. Because again, when I showed up at college freshman year, I was just like, because it's a big state school, I was like, this is fucking easy. Like I went to a, a poli-sci class that everyone was like, oh my gosh, you have to drop this class. It's super hard. But to me, it didn't seem very hard. And I don't credit that to me being inc incredibly smart. It was just that the school taught me how to think instead of memorize. And I went in there, I understood the concepts because again, I was, I knew how to process things properly and I knew how to study if I needed to. And um, the school taught me that, but that's what you pay for when you go to a private prep school. So again, small community kind of sucks, but I am forever grateful for being a part of that community because I think overall it impacted my life really well, even though it was fucking annoying at the time to be a part of something where you feel like people just don't have a lot of perspective in a lot of ways. But yeah, that's it. I think that's it that I have to say about TBS. Oh, gosh, I will say I had the worst girl drama ever, ever, ever in my life. But I also really liked that TBS was so small that there weren't really like popular kids like you just, everyone knows each other. All your siblings are going to that school. So the teachers already know your sibling, your siblings are friends. It's a small community. Like there aren't people that are like flying under the radar and people did so many different things. Like the jocks were also doing like theater and they were also really smart or, you know, the cheerleader could be loving science or whatever it was. It was, it, there weren't a lot of like traditional roles that you would get like at a middle school or at a high school, which I really appreciated because again, you knew everybody, you knew everyone's name pretty much, especially like in middle school or high school, you knew everyone in the middle school or everyone in the high school, if not like pretty much the entire school, which was really nice. It's a really small, safe community. And I think there are good things about it. But again, like you said, it can make you feel really trapped, but you'll be good. You'll be good. It's going to, it's going to benefit you in the long run. That was a niche one, but I wanted to add that in there. What else can I tell you? So by the time you're listening to this, I will have gotten back from my little Parisian excursion. So you guys can look at my TikTok and my Instagram for that kind of content I'm doing. I'll put like a little Paris highlight on Instagram. So you guys, if you're going soon, can see where I went and I'll make sure to tag the location and everything. You guys can find me on Instagram at Peyton Sarton and on TikTok at Peyton Sarton. 
the note to self Instagram is no longer. The note to self TikTok is no longer. I'm just going to put it all in my personal because I don't have the capacity to post a million times a day on so many different <laughs> accounts. You can find me on YouTube as well. Just search Peyton Sarton in the search bar and you guys can see the video episodes of Note to Self on Saturdays. And I will say I have been not so great at uploading those on time, but I'm going to do my best. Please submit to Ask P the next episode I'll do next month. You guys can find the details, like I said, in the show description. And that's all I have for you today. So thank you for listening. Thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. You can catch a new episode of Note to Self every Thursday. Please, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. I always want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review if you have a sec. Follow Note to Self on social for all the behind the scenes action and more info about the show at NTS by PS on Instagram and at Note to Self Pod on TikTok. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.